Okay, welcome to another edition of Culture Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with people from different backgrounds and get to learn about other cultures. Today we have Karakol Aura back on the podcast for part two, uh, hoping to pick off from uh, where we left off. How are you doing, Aura? I feel great. I feel great. Yeah, we're just talking i'm i'm great i'm great we're talking before the podcast and you told me how you're getting a lot more sleep nowadays that yes. must feel good it does feel good it feels like um i, I don't rely on an alarm so it, it does feel like uh, my body is plenishing through sleep right. is that just a personal choice the alarm thing or or is yeah, something it's been, else there it's been two years that i don't use an alarm so it's um so i wake up really early. i wake up when the the sun rises basically yeah oh, that makes sense that you're in tune with well i guess if you build that habit you can choose to wake up because yeah. i remember when i was in boarding school we had to get up at 5 30 and you didn't need an alarm for that you just kind of knew and had a sense of you know when it was 5 30. Um, yeah that's exactly how how what's happening with me in the past two years yeah and i'm glad to have you back on the podcast so we're just talking a little bit about your art as well and you know uh, how you're faring with that uh you you said you know you create so many inspiring pieces and things like that but you were saying how you don't necessarily like to sell those pieces like what's the rationale behind that yeah i just think that i really when i create i'm i'm i i'm birthing something it's like it becomes um its own being and to sell that being it feels very um it feels like i'm exploiting um I, i'm exploiting that cre create that creature so um i've had friends like um ask me about my art or want to commission pieces and um all these other things that artists do to make money and i've considered it but i've also felt um very confused by the whole idea of of a monetary exchange so whenever like i did my my friend lexi wanted to buy this tapestry that i made out of out of um a, a bed sheet that that my mom had i ripped it up and i i was able to have this it is a funny story i was i was i wasn't i was in a very anxious time last year and around october um and I was sleeping with my mom because when those things happen, like I try to stay closest to my mom. Um, and and her bed sheet, it was a comforter and it had a hole in it. And I remember just like tossing and turning and just getting my foot stuck in that hole. And then one morning I just ripped it up. <laughs> kind of like the spur of the moment kind of yeah, thing. I just ripped it up and then and then that was my canvas for a good couple of months and and that definitely helped with the anxiety, with depression, with um with things that I was feeling that I wasn't um being mindful of fullest. And so I made this tapestry, which I'll share a picture of um if you'd like to see it. And so what we did was that she basically adopted this piece and we exchanged, she gave me some medicine, some natural medicine, and she, you know, treated me out for this delicious breakfast in San Jose. Oh and wait, she didn't buy the piece, she adopted the piece. Yes, she adopted the piece. Is that so the term? Is that what you use for a lot of <laughs> your other what pieces? Using. What do you usually do? You give them away or you, you give them out for adoption? For adoption, yes. All your pieces are orphans out there, kind of. Because like they're creatures. They're, they're their own being. Yeah. I, I, I don't neglect any piece. Like if I create something, I even if I don't like it, 
um, there's something to love. You know, it's like a, it's like a child. You know, they throw fits. They, you don't quite understand them. Um, they, they look a certain way. You know, like they, they have their, their own personality. And at the end of the day, you're a parent, and so you have to unconditionally love that, that creature because it's, it comes out of you. You know, and, and so that's, that's my process. That's one of my, one of three ways that I, I, um, I process my art. It's, okay, it's, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's get back to where we where we stopped off. So at the end of part one, um, at the end of season one, we're talking about how you guys were driving to DC. Um, you know what led to that. You know and all that. So I guess we can start by what do you remember from approaching DC from like the border of the state or the district? Like when did you guys land in DC and what were the first things you saw? Like were you guys welcomed by a scene? Was there a blockade? Like what was that like? Um, the boys had created a playlist, like an LA DC playlist. So we got to DC around, I'd say around noon. <laughs> and uh, it was just crowds of people from everywhere, like just crowds of people mobilizing. Um, they were preparing to go on a march and we were, and we were b bumping like LA rap music, <laughs> pop smoke, you know, like, like pretty I mean, loudly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, um, some, some mixes that, uh, Ransom had, had done and, um, the classic, you know, like, like East coast, meets west coast west coast meets east coast kind of kind of vibe and the guys were just like dancing and lisa and saying hello to everybody that every other car and it was just so lively like like yes we're here we're here we're let's be seen and let's see what we see and how we approach things so our our method was um to park the car in a safe spot um and then take a walk just take a walk so we split up so um Amin went with Spencer, Ransom and I uh, tag team. So then, um, so that we could have an, like a full on objective perspective of what was happening that first day. And there were a lot of bikers. Um, I noticed that there, there was no real sense of direction. Um, it was kind of lost in, in some ways, uh, the mobilization. Um, but it, en we, we ended up meeting up, meeting back up on, um, it started out what what would be uh, BLM uh, Plaza, and then we ended up by the Lincoln Memorial. BLM Plaza is that right along Pennsylvania Avenue? Where where was that located? It's in front of Lafayette Park. Oh, Lafayette. Okay, so not yeah. far away from from the park. Yeah, and and so and then it started to to rain. Like it was, it was a storm. No, so like it, it was just <laughs> nothing that I had witnessed ever in my life. I witnessed a, a tree fall and it, like a whole ass tree fall. And um, a, a lot of uh, the demonstrators and the organizers were, were soaking wet from, from the rain. A lot of people who, who that were, we, that were from DC already knew what was coming, but me being from LA, I was like, Oh, it's just clouds. It's just like gray clouds. You know, it's not, it's not going to rain. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not going to happen right now, but it, it was a storm. So that was our welcome. Our welcome was very warm, but it was also super stormy and, and just very um, vibrant. 
Um, how, how many people would you say were in the group that day uh, when you guys landed? Were there a thousand more? I'd say I'd say between five hundred and a thousand. Five hundred yeah. and a thousand. Yeah. And, and what were some of the things you guys did on that first day? Were you just walking and chanting? I know at that time it was pretty early, so people yeah. had not really formulated you right. know, the the idea behind the movement and all well, that. Well, we had exactly what we had learned was that a couple days prior to our landing, um, I think. Uh, Trump uh, took a picture, took this iconic picture uh, by the the presidential church, and um, which would have be, which would then become the place where first of where, where Earl's First Amendment Grill would post up to feed the people. So, and also at, I think that same day um, there was a helicopter incident where a helicopter was hovering over demonstrators. And they started just like throwing, uh, just gas, gassing the people. Wait, Sorry, from the uh, helicopter? Yeah, from the helicopter. A lot of people got hurt. What uh, type of gas? Like tear gas or what? Yeah, yeah. Like other, yeah, tear gas, pepper spray. Interesting. I haven't um, even heard that bullets. before. Tear gas from yes. a helicopter. Yes, 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 yes. It happened. Um, and so people were so people that had been hurt by it or had heard heard about it or witnessed that they were all there. They were all uh, marching. Um, and I mean, a obviously lot of our- you guys were prepared. Did you guys have like milk or like nose masks or things? No, water? no one was prepared for that incident. Like no, no one was prepared for that. No one was prepared. Even you? I mean, you had done Even a bunch of protests in the past. No, I mean, this is what I'm telling you. We landed the third, June third. And we, and that happened, the helicopter incident happened like the 1st of June. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we had skipped, we had totally missed it. Um, And yeah, but that night we, we tried to make connections. Um, We, we did here and there, we started, you know, realizing like who the organizers were, like, there was a lot of our friends feeding people already during the march, so we connected with them. That night, though, we slept in Lisa, the car. So it was pouring rain, and we all, the four of us, slept inside the car. Um, we just parked some in a neighborhood, and we and we slept. Um, the following day, the following day, uh, we found housing uh, instantly. It was. Um, Where did you find housing? A friend named Evan. So. Evan, he's a chef. He was he was cooking for um, Earl's, um, and he offered his his place for us for a few days, um, which we which we accepted. And I kid you not, like the the moment that I stepped foot in his house, I get deja vu. And from when? From from just from just opening the door, I I get I get this I get this feeling like I've been there before, like this is a safe place to be. Um, so were all these things kind of like subtly acting as confirmation, the rain, yes. the deja vu, that, oh, yes. I'm where I'm supposed to be? Yes, or exactly. There were signs, or would you say it was just you being excited? And you know, No, it was yeah. definitely me um, accepting these the, these moments as, as signs um, that I, that we were meant to be, that, that we were going in the direction that we were, that we were meant to, to go. Um the fall we didn't stay long at evans i think after a day or two we 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 met uh an organizer um uh, his we met an organizer and he had a whole house a whole empty house only he only occupied one of those rooms 
and he had a whole house that he offered to us. So we, oh wow, and yeah, he was so, out there organizing. Yeah, and it was it was ten minutes away walking distance from how, the main. How do you meet people at positive. protests? Like I've never protested in the U.S. before. I have demonstrated back home in Nigeria, but huh. I guess it's a, it's a different dynamic where I come from. Um, how do you strike up a conversation? Like you're just walking and someone is beside you and you're like, oh, where are you from? I just you know drove in from Oregon. Oh, do you need a place to stay? Like how does that work exactly? <laughs> Um, yikes. I, I think it was, it was just like the charisma that we had coming from LA. Badasses. Okay. Um, Yeah, there was, yeah, basically just being not afraid. We weren't afraid of, of making those connections, of being genuine with people, of, of, of accepting rejection if it need be, you know, it's, um, uh, Ransom's from New Jersey, uh, Spencer's from Temecula, California. I'm from LA, California. Amin was from, uh, Kansas City, uh, Missouri. So we were very, very diverse group in terms of personalities and methods and the way we moved, um, or, or traveled the world. So we, we all learned from each other. We all had these specific skill sets that we that we that we embraced that we had to embrace in order to to keep for survival right so um so yeah, you know, I was very grateful. The, you know, this is the third time you're mentioning that. Like in the last episode, you talked about while you were in a college and, you know, you were, um, you know, carried a, a, a group of 30 people to go protest on why you guys couldn't register courses. And, you know, the charisma you had while doing that uh, made you be recruited by Ladder Call. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm my bad. And, <laughs> and the other time while you were getting arrested, you were the only one cuffed. And based off the way you were standing up to the cops who were, coughing you that's when you know ransom and the other guys like came at you with this idea of hey let's drive down to dc and even when you eventually got to dc that charisma like contributed to you guys getting housing like would you say like it's not often that a lot of people go through life knowing exactly what it is they're supposed to do like they connect that oh you know what i discovered this is my purpose that's what i'm supposed to do however on the flip side some people also try to like tend to get addicted to attention and like the you know the fame or whatever that certain things bring and they end up doing that like on the spectrum like how much percentage will you apportion to each of those like is it that conviction that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do that makes people drawn to you? Or would you say there's a little bit of, um, you know, uh, basking in the attention that kind of like makes it easier for you to do those things? I think definitely uh, the first one, definitely. Um, I don't do things to to call attention to myself. It kind of just happens. And I don't intend for it to happen. It's just kind of what what unfolds ultimately. Um and so even in my in, even in my artwork, I've done performance art that I've never recorded, that I do publicly, that people witness and maybe they record because they think it's so strange. But I, I don't bother um, recording myself because it's not about me. So you don't put your name on your pieces or anything? You don't keep no, a actually. record of your portfolio of pieces you've done? I take, I take photographs, but I don't I don't really post them. Um, I don't I share I share with them. I share them with with folks if they if they really ask. But I don't it's rare when I actually take a picture and and want validation from it in, in social media or publicly like that. Um, but yeah, maybe it's something I got to work on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think maybe you're I'm fine. Just- <laughs> <laughs> 
I think you're fine. I think uh, at a certain level, maybe you might have figured out a bunch of things that we normal folk ha haven't figured out. Okay, back to the story. I mean, you were in this, this big house, you know, this, this guy accommodated you. What was the plan in the coming days or the week? Did you guys just eat, sleep, wake up, protest, eat, sleep, wake up, protest? Like, how did that, or did you have, have guys have like meetings at night and did other things? Like, what was that yeah, whole? Definitely, uh, we had meetings um, at, at Earl's First Amendment Grill that became a that became a, a, a safe place for us to to convene and bounce back ideas and figure out how we were going to paint the White House black. <laughs> which oh, you no guys one... were still on that idea, yeah. right? Why were you guys going to get a whole? You know what it is to paint the White House black? Like you need like four fire trucks full of black poetic. paint. Like it was... where are you going to get that? <laughs> it was poetic. It was definitely a poetic mission. Um, it ended up becoming uh, something else. Like we we um, we supported um, first Earl's First Amendment Grill. Then from that came other projects like um, from other comrades like Liber Readers um, and also um, BLMH Co-op, which is now Good People uh, or Good Trouble um, and also Freedom Writers DC. So other projects came, came through that after or, or during Baz, during Baz. And it was, and I, th I feel like it, it, it always was Bass. It would always was Black House Autonomous Zone. But once we named it that, that's when we were, we were problematic. That's when we, we were attacked by the government, by, by the different police forces in DC. Um, so when you name something in such a powerful way, it becomes a threat. So because before, the, before that, before the, the barricades and before the, the tagging before trying to uh, bring down the, the that one memorial. Um, it, it was pretty much communal. Like people were camping out, helping each other out, mutual aid. There was first, there was a first aid kit crew there, you know, uh, Earl's was feeding the people without just donation based, you know, it was, it was very much community oriented. Um, and so that's what, that's what that's what inspired Baz. Besides the Zapatista movement in in Mexico, you know, in Chiapas, Baz was inspired by what was already what we already saw in DC. Okay, um, let's pe let's peel back the layers because we're, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Okay. So, for the benefit of some of our <laughs> listeners, uh, okay. when she says Baz, right, B H A Z stands for Black House Autonomous Zone. So, during the protests last year in D.C., and this happened in multiple states, I think Seattle and Oregon or something as well. Um, yeah, while the protesters were protesting, uh, they were protesting police brutality specifically mm -hmm. against Black people. Um, some of the protesters uh, deemed it fit to block of a certain area of the city or some city blocks, I would say, you know, and kind of like barricade those city blocks and declare those autonomous zones. So, hey, you know what? This country is kind of like messed up within this autonomous zone. We're trying to model how it's supposed to be done. And everyone here is welcome. This is a safe space. This is where we're going to take care of each other. This is where right. we're going to, you know, uh, re-energize and go back out to the protest. So there were actually like physical barricades of like, like cones and you know different things and things so um 
tell me where did bass come from would you say bass came from your specific group did it come from oh, yeah. some of the meetings you were having at earls no, or it, how did it, that come about and who, who our, came up with the idea it became it came from our specific group yeah i actually came up with the name it was really easy to do it, it wasn't it was just so you came up with the name but who came up with the initial idea like you know what we should <laughs> yeah. like walk me through I, that I process like when someone's <laughs> smoking something I'm like you know what we should do we should do this and you're like oh that'll be no, good we were basically we were basically aware of what was happening you know nationwide um with with these organized protests organized occupied uh, spaces and and i was and like i kept thinking back about the zapatista movement um and so and they're very much autonomous from the government they're self-governed and and i'm and i'm here you know sharing this information with with the rest of the group and they're like and they were receptive to it um and we we wanted it to to be more than what it what it uh, became just because we got shut down from one day to the next like like it was like we were a terrorist group you know <laughs> like it was it was that bad like the, it, um you know they they launched the they launched the whole police squad on us um because of that because of the naming of it i think it, Are you it was sure it was just because of the naming or maybe because of it, um, it, no, it was they they we were already a threat before the name for sure we were already a threat no one likes to see people living um communally taking care of each other not needing the government to 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 aid us right um they it, it people did not people who weren't in the group did not understand um how it is we were surviving um and we we took care of each other we made sure everyone had uh, a place to to shower a place to sleep um food we we all we all tried our best to to hear each other out um to 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 figure out to be strategic um and to figure out like who was really with us or who was just a, an op because there were operatives yeah, yeah I, I can imagine there were like yeah. infiltrators in the process yeah, definitely, and everything definitely tons uh, how do you guys get the message out like from the meetings in the house that okay you know what uh karako give us a cool name baz okay we're good how do you guys go out there and spread the <laughs> messaging and say this is what we want to do then how did you mobilize volunteers to actually get the barricades or you know if people needed it things like showers really, food how did that happened, all come together it happened really organically it did it wasn't like here you it wasn't like here these are all the things that we need you do that you do that you do that we had meetings within different groups of of people already organized and within the the, the plaza and um blmh and and we had i think we had weekly meetings um where we where we basically came up with demands eventually and um trying to see how we can incorporate the uh, businesses that were shut down to 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 help with the cause because we didn't have uh, we didn't have you know like a trillion dollars just sitting there so that we were completely like um detached from society no we we definitely pulled pulled together and we we um eventually that that empty house became um <laughs> became it became everyone's house. Like that everyone, became the black house. It, it, that house became the black house. Autonomous. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, and uh, there was supposed to be a documentary um, of of everything that was happening at the time. I don't know exactly what happened to that project. I, I do know that after we left, I'm, I'm fast forwarding, but after we left DC, things just went south. 
um, real quick. Right, uh, and, and so, I can imagine like everyone's were everyone were strangers in this place, right? And my like when I think about bath, like I think about what I see or what I saw in the media, right? I, I wasn't there, so I saw the chop house or the chop zone in Seattle. You know, bath in D.C. I think some parts of bath while I was in D.C. like I had seen like you know some glimpse of it while I was driving and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But what would you say was a major challenge faced in trying to manage this autonomous zone? Were you guys able to come to agreement on leadership about who provide direction or it was pretty much decentralized where, you know, each you know group did their thing, but there was this general understanding right. of cohesion and things like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You're you're really on point. We even though we had the name Baz, like no um, it wasn't our identity um we weren't affiliated to to any specific group we were we um yes the earls had their earls we uh, we were we had our baths but there was like you know beale and mage co-op there was freedom riders dc there was liberators and so everyone had kind of jumped around um as as needed and um yeah we weren't affiliated with any political party we weren't even affiliated with the with black with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, we were fighting for black liberation. We are fighting for black liberation, but we weren't um, we weren't strictly like um, this is this is Black Lives Matter movement. We, yeah, and they didn't they didn't acknowledge us either, to be honest. Uh, that must have been very brave because obviously the police that they didn't they didn't like come in immediately probably because the tension was too hot they gave it a few days or a few weeks or whatever yeah. uh, but obviously like you said there were ops uh, weren't you worried about security like if your name even though you aren't affiliated with any of the groups you know just coming up with the name being in in, in Earl's house and things like that like weren't you worried about you know the safety of yeah we, we really were um at some point we the house became like too overwhelming um just because a lot of new faces were coming through and we had no we weren't vetting them uh and so it became a, a space of 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 a potential danger um so we were trying to find figure out a different space to to convene where we already knew the people so that's that would be our new space to to have meetings have like secret meetings we also used um um, encrypted apps to to for communication yeah like signal um i i would leave my phone if i could if if i didn't need it on on the on the streets i would leave my phone um at some point like my instagram was hacked uh while i was yeah while i was in in uh, dc so i just when you say hack like hack what do you suspect like someone found your phone and like logged into your instagram no, or I someone intentionally accessed your instagram to find oh, out yes, about they you were, they were watching us we were being watched and followed so. i mean the fbi is right there in, in langley yeah. virginia <laughs> so or the yeah, cia true. So we were definitely followed. And even when we got back from DC for a whole month, there was a lot of suspicious like police activity surrounding us. We were doing just mundane shit and, and we we were being, um, or at least I was being followed. Right. Um, for, well, for well in, in case the CIA or the police is listening to this interview, all I'm doing is an interview, people. I know I'm wearing black, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know so what? This 
just kidding. You know what this reminds me of? This actually reminds me of the Black Panther Party. Like, it's funny that you're from L.A. as well, because this is how we started. It's like, you know, people just organically coming together. I mean, that was specifically for African-Americans, however, but it's, it's kind of like similar. Oh, there's a house, people coming in, uh, no one vetting, and ultimately you had the Judas and the Black Messiah issue. Uh, shout out to Daniel Kaluuya. But let me play devil's advocate for one second, right, and ask two questions. And those were two popular sentiments that a lot of people had, right, in the public. And I may or may not agree with them, but I just want to table them to you. Like some people say, you created this autonomous zone to be free from the government and to treat people fairly and to be as inclusive as possible. However, the government of the United States indirectly um, uh, indirectly made that happen because they built the roads where Baz was. They indirectly provided the army to make sure that bars were secure. They indirectly put up the infrastructure to make sure that you can communicate via each, each other's phones. So it, like, it's kind of like ironic that you're trying to be autonomous of the U.S., but indirectly through taxpayers' money, the, the U.S. government is kind of like funding bars in a way. And there was also another argument of saying that, um, you know, some of the autonomous zones didn't do a good job to correct some of the ills of society. So we say, oh, right. black people, there's no inclusiveness in the world, but there were cases of, you know, members of the LGBT community being assaulted in some of the autonomous zones. You know, there were cases of, you know, even people being, there were some teenagers who were allegedly killed in the Seattle autonomous zone. So people were saying, hey, if you can maintain an autonomous zone of just a few city blocks in just a week, and how do you, uh, now you know it's not easy for the government to maintain a country of 200 million people and the government isn't perfect. So what are your responses to those uh, two questions or two sentiments? A lot of things came to mind. I think um, I also did read about a lot of critiques about it being lawless and irresponsible and and a waste of time and, and no direction, no purpose. But really, like, these people weren't there. Um, if, if these people really cared, they would be out in the street and uh, voicing these opinions publicly and trying to create spaces where there aren't where these uh, where we can hold each other accountable um you know and because these spaces were not perfect we're not um these spaces took time and effort these spaces took took education because we we were trying to at the same time that we were feeding each other clo- uh, clothing each other housing each other we were also teaching each other you know so if there if, be, if there isn't um, some kind of uh, discourse, if there is an ideology, if there isn't spaces for, for to come uh, comfortably to, to voice your concerns and, and thoughts and opinions, then of course we're, it's going to be seen lawless when people have their own their own way of, of interpreting what uh, an autonomous space looks like. Because at the end of the day, there is no blueprint. Um, there is an inspiration. For me, it was the Zapatistas. Um, for other people, it could have been uh, so the Black Panther Party. You know, like, you know, um, it, it could have been at some point Chaz. It could have been an indigenous, the indigenous movements that were also happening at the time. Um, and, and so, with, that are still happening. Um, so I think, I think we have to be able to to learn from history to learn from each other and to find inspiration where where we we clearly have (laughs) we clearly have it like it's not uh, it's not otherworldly to think that we could self-govern each other when the government has failed us 
it's not it's not it's not an idea that's that's even communist or socialist or any any label it, it's just human it's it's human dignity you know like it's we're fighting for um humanity at the end of the day um if and if you identify as human <laughs> and you care about the the world you care about the earth in some way then you got to take care you got to take care of your community and facts and i definitely agree with you know that sentiment and what i think you know you guys actually did right which <laughs> you guys probably weren't deliberate about this is all about symbolism right you talked about um you know you guys being attacked once you named it and that's because a name is a symbol and people can identify with a symbol so indirectly through what you people were doing it kind of like signaled to the world that hey we're doing this because of this and that was a symbol to regurgitate like your message and you guys actually had a list of demands like talk to me about the list of demands like and chokeholds you know no knock warrants like how did you guys come up with that were you guys able to communicate that to a specific person or government agency or just relied on the media to circulate that and how was that received we actually i was out of town when when the when um i i tagged a list of demands <laughs> um prior but when i was personally out of town, or as a group yeah personally personally okay. it was just you know i was just going rogue <laughs> and besides but, painting the black house the white house black what were your demands my demands were end systemic racism um abolished cops and there was like a third i left a third blank just so that maybe someone would fill in the blank um and then but my my comrade destiny she had the idea of of actually sitting down with with an with someone who with someone who knew like the law or um was connected in some way with with like um that that sort of realm right because we at the same time that we knew what direction we were going to we still needed we still needed backup we still needed legal backup um so she she along with this other person that wasn't in in dc she was working remotely with us they came up with a list of demands and let me see if i can um, i think one of them was like no chokeholds no knock warrants that they were actually like basic things that people had been asking about for a long time and and like you say it said maybe one thing you know that's kind of like that maybe should have been taken should have been implemented was that documentary that that should have might have pieced everything together you know but it's not too late because i know there's a lot of footage out there but um you know i can read a, a few of the demands so one is defund the police independent investigations the establishment of some sort of reparations administration um, list the KKK and other hate groups as terrorist organizations, a national ban on chokeholds by police, a national ban on police using the, quote, I was in fear of my life, quote, defense, end quote, a defense against an unarmed, unarmed person. Seven, a national ban on no-knock warrants. Eight, prison reform, remove corporations from prisons. Nine, establish a national standard standard test for mental fitness for all peacekeeper uh, um, aka police officer departments that will evaluate each potential officer's bias bias and tendencies create coalitions between peacekeepers and citizens the end of predatory probationary practices for example drug tests and other measures that target people of color federal mandate in favor of restoring voting rights to convicts that have served their time the end of lifetime appointments to the supreme court the end of qualified immunity 
more money set aside to provide black people more opportunities and access to education grants and scholarships and there was 20 and um, let me there's a four more also necessary community service for qualified cops cops that pass all the above tests inspections so they can actually be useful fucking human sources for society <laughs> a total cut to their paychecks and departments in general discuss with indigenous groups in dc and maryland at large so that we can discuss their needs demands baz legally paint the white house black we need resources legally what are our possibilities have baz be a notable space of refuge that is entirely community run and supported acknowledged by our town portable quali quality housing for all mayor Bra mayor bowser and any corrupt politician police sergeant and cops with numerous complaints upon need to go um so yeah so those were 20 demands that that we that we came up collectively but were uh, ultimately um uh, written up by by a few comrades right i mean and that's very well thought of and those, yeah. those are a lot of things that common people have been asking for for you know a long time and it's interesting as i continue to interview you like i see the similarities between the blm protests that happened in may june to the nsars protests that happened in nigeria in like september october like a few oh, months wow. later that year like it was exactly the same thing like it was decentralized you know we had a list of demands we mm -hmm. had kind of like i won't it wasn't Direct. officially like an autonomous zone but around the toge in Lekki in Lagos, you know, there was this a few blocks where people gathered and all that. And obviously there was the unfortunate instance of October 20th, uh, 2020, where, you know, people were shot at uh, uh, and whatnot. But let me talk about that first line, defund the police. Now, that was a very controversial uh, phrase. And I promise, like, I'm asking all this question, not because I don't agree with you, but I'm just trying to bring, you know, another perspective for the benefits of, you know, different listeners who might be listening to this. Defund the police was very antagonizing. Now, we have three sets of people, right? We have set one, group one, that says, fuck that. What is defund the police? They don't even want to go further. Once they just hear the, the phrase defund the police, yeah. they're like, fuck that. There was group two, your group, that really understood what defund the police really meant. That, oh, okay, yeah, this is why I want to do this, blah, 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 blah. Then there was group three that after they explained what defund the police really means, they come around and said, oh, now that I truly know what it means, it does make sense. However, that wording is really antagonizing. And I think Obama was actually in group three. He said, oh, wow. you know, that being a politician, that you always have to look for ways, that, oh, if you want to get this senator on your side to vote for you and he likes hockey, go to a hockey game with him. Even if you don't necessarily like ho hockey, yeah. you should look for a way to structure your message in a way that's not antagonizing and that can bring as many people from the other side to your side as possible because if you keep talking to the people who agree with you then you're talking to like if 100 people are agreeing with you and at the end of the year you still have 100 people like you've not achieved anything that like you have to structure it in a way where you can get 10 15 people from the other side and that can make you 115 so having said that i have two questions for you what is defund the police i want you to really that you were there right really explain it for our listeners who are listening and number two what do you say what's your response to a barack obama that says hey you know what like i get it but sometimes you have to add a little bit of salesmanship and marketing in order to reach across the aisle and get the people who might not necessarily agree with you to join you on your cause yeah okay so so really defund the police it was it was us being kind 
because we're we're abolitionists like we're 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 like abolish the police that's what we really want is is total abolishment of the police uh the police does not serve us we we can protect our own we know what our community our community needs and we know who we are and we know how best to protect uh us each other without uh violence and and at the same time uh, we said defund the police was was because that was kind of like the language that that people could understand a little bit better than abolishing the police people can't imagine a world without police it's really oh, so are you saying it first started the the first idea was abolish the police before yes. it got changed to defund the police interesting yes. i didn't know that yes. Yeah. Um, so even the, yeah, even, even when we decided to just put defund the police, it was kind of like okay, we're we're trying to work with society here. <laughs> like we're 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 re yeah, reaching across the aisle by using defund yes. the police. So that's in yes. your way. He's a response to Barack exactly. Obama saying that. Yeah. That's your way of toning it down. Yeah. Exactly. We definitely toned it down to a way where, where where people could be like, okay, defund the police. What does that mean to defund something? It means to allocate that money that would otherwise go to guns, military uh, equipment, um, unnecessary like like patrolling uh, in communities, and 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 would directly go back to the community, like funding schools, for example. Schools are the least funded, you know, like creating or, or uh, abolishing prisons, like making prisons uh, uh, more rehabilitation spaces. Folks can be reintegrated into society without being ostracized. Um, uh, funding mental health so that it's not it's not like a prison, you know, uh, like it's true healing. Um, uh, making uh, having affordable housing like people people do not need to be uh, houseless there there is there can be money uh that is reallocated so that people are off the streets and have the and, and get to have the basic needs met uh, you know there are so many things so many uh, gardens you know accessible food systems for communities um more public spaces that are actually public spaces <laughs> for people to com convene and get together and and figure out a way to be more of a community um i don't know uh, mutual aid you know like it's it's n no it's it's funding communities not funding police that come into communities and and just wreak havoc and 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 fear and chaos like you know we're we're, we're striving for for a world where everyone has what they need and they don't need to rely on on the government um for those needs but at the same time we, it's 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 a difficult process it's it's um a lot of a lot of us we forget to use our imagination like if we can imagine a world where there is no oppression there is no exploitation there is no death by by the hands of uh, of police then we then then we already lost we already lost the battle. They've won. If we can't imagine, if we can't, if we can't think of a better world for ourselves, <laughs> we we can't be creative enough to to imagine a world where 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 we don't have atrocities like this, where people have their land and because they work it, where people aren't being uh, uh, displaced. Um, then we or people aren't being brutalized just because of the color of their skin and who or their class. Then then we then we're really fucked, Nosa. Like we, there is no organizing that, that can that can change people's minds if they can't even imagine a, a world where everyone has what they need and no one is suffering. Um, uh, and it's it's something that I I constantly think about. I'm like, how can people be so selfish? 
um, uh, how can people wake up one day, do their gardening, do what, make babies, um, you know, live, live a happy life. And at the same time, not realize that like their neighbor is struggling. That person outside has struggles of their own that they can't afford to, to sit back and relax. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I don't know how people can switch, switch that, that, that trigger on and off. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, everything is so personal to me like it's not it's not a joke to me like the suffering of our people is not a joke and it it gets me emotional like like i don't want to see any more martyrs i don't want to see that i want people to like to wake up and stay awake and 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 fight for each other world that, that we're so fearful of of ending it's like yo we're ending this world little by little by our our inaction and and that's and and it hit heavy in dc it, it wasn't easy emotionally physically it took a toll on my mental health yeah it was it was really um it was at the same time that it was beautiful to be organizing it was very it felt like a like a losing battle um if we have to convince people um of anything that we were doing it was like it was just so frustrating and it's I, like how can you not see it it's and i certainly of, like sense your passion like obviously like you're doing like what you think is best for the world and you know a, a lot of that is needed in more and more people kind of like around us but when you look at history history has never favored people who wanted the world to be better whether you look at malcolm x or martin luther king or jesus christ or whoever you want to go back and you know you're kind of like towing that path now and like you said it's not easy because it's one thing to fight against the system but it's another thing to fight against the system and have some of your peers fighting against you and some of the people you're fighting for disagreeing with you and things like that like the world nothing is perfect in the world right like education is not perfect uh, finances are not perfect my family is not perfect this podcast is not perfect nothing is perfect like but why do you think it's important to continue to strive for perfection despite all these obstacles like you have your mental health you have all these things like why do you think it's important for you to keep going and to motivate as many people as you can and why do you think people need to realize that this is important and even if we're not going to achieve perfection we still need to keep towing that line towards yeah. perfection I, I I believe that we were born perfect, that that the world makes us imperfect. And so whenever we're we're striving towards our our authenticity, we're we're whenever we're we're confused about our identity, whenever we're we're, you know, confused about our purpose in life, that that's us trying to strive for perfection again. Um, and so I I think we're yes, I acknowledge that we all have our struggles individually, we all but collectively like these are all common struggles. You know, depression doesn't stem from out of nowhere. Depression is a systemic issue. You know, racism is a systemic issue. You know, all these isms are systemic issues um, stemming from our, our our lived experiences, stemming from our, our, our lived society. Like, like these things are man-made. <laughs> They're man-made imperfectly. Um, so I, I think um, the more we the more we get to know who we are individually, the more we're able to easily connect with others who are who are also trying to strive for that same perfection. And and I, I know that there's there's even the the politics around perfectionism, right? Um, but we see perfection in, in nature, and we're part of nature. Why can't we be perfect too? Why can't we uh, embrace perfection as well? Like, After all, we come from nature. We come from nature, and and 
to say that we can never be perfect, it's it's doing us a disservice. It's 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 um taking that faith and that hope away when 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 it didn't even have a chance to flourish. And I've never um, thought about it that way. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I, one, I'm one year later, after you know Baz and BLM, or a year and a year plus and a few months after BLM, um, obviously the list of that twenty demands none has been achieved. A year later, we don't have any kind of legislation. You know, um, we don't have anything like even the trial. I mean, Derek Chauvin has been convicted. I don't think he's been sentenced. Has he been sentenced? Um, mm. But that's besides the point. Um, how much do you think on a scale of one to a hundred? So if you're to a, pers- uh, a portion, a percentage, how much do you think has changed? Do you think we've moved 2% towards what you feel is the ideal destination just based off the fact that people at least are more aware now, even though there are no structural changes? Do you think we've regressed? We're now negative 1% or you think we're at 0%, the same place where we were a year ago? Yeah, this is difficult. I think I think we've definitely regressed. I think we, we were, we're too comfortable. Like here in the U.S., we don't know what it's like to, to, to collectively be in pain, to collectively be suffering. We, because we don't, we don't unify in struggles. And if you go anywhere else in the world right now, people are out in the streets. <laughs> people are risking their lives for, for, for a better world, for their human rights. Like here in the U.S., it's easy to, to turn on that switch, turn off that switch, turn on the TV instead. Like Privilege. It's so privileged. We don't know struggle the way Latin America knows struggle, the way Palestine is suffering right now. We don't know it. And it makes me sad. And it and it's it does feel like a regression. And it feels like it feels like the US only wants to be in solidarity from afar, but not actually do anything to to create changes. Changes that the that the within that the US created uh and, and impacted worldwide. Like <laughs> we're in we're living in a place that that it's it's the the little whiny brother we're living in the place where, where that or that stemmed from and we're not challenging it or challenging our privileges on the daily. Like that's embarrassing. I, it's it's not okay. I think there are there are a lot of fruits that came out of um, the latest um, demonstrations and all that. But I wasn't revolution. It was trying to be revolutionary, but it wasn't. It wasn't at the end of the day because revol- because then we we would be a, a year is a long time. A year is a good enough time for to see changes. And and people still want to work systemically, change the system within and that 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 uh, that strategy is is not working and it's never been work it's never worked within the u.s right like we, i think the u.s is just like a, a regular selfish human being personified as a country kind of like it's it's weird like you know like you said there's a lot of privilege um in this country so people don't realize a lot of things um you know like i said the reason why i was even in dc then was like to sort out some things with the nigerian embassy which is crazy if i get into the details about how difficult it is to get a nigerian passport and even as we're talking today like the president of nigeria just banned twitter like he shut twitter off the nigerian airwaves because um uh, twitter deleted a tweet that he made and you know so yeah when you think about things like that is is certainly you know iffy uh, if I would say that myself, um, it is hard 
as someone like yourself wanting to see the change. But on a lighter note, like, what do you do to relax, man? Like, besides bumping, like, West Coast gangster music, that let's, let's get away from, you know, some of this emotional stuff for a little bit. Like, the fight never ends. Um, I respect it. It's continuous. And I know everyone kind of, like, has a role to play. Yeah. But what do you do when you just want to kick back, talk shit, that kind of thing? <laughs> what makes you happy? Oh. Do you watch Friends? Yeah, uh, I, do you play solitaire? Like, what's your what's your I, advice? I, I love a lot of things. I love to do a lot of things. Um, right now, what's keeping me happy is, is this little kitten right here. <laughs> that a cat? It's a little kitten. Yeah, it's, it's only a month <laughs> old. Milo Tiepolo. And they're just like giving me gray hairs, but I, <laughs> they're so playful. That's what's giving me joy right now. What's giving me joy also is being able to to use my voice right now to to express a whole what feels like a whole lifetime ago of of, of events. Um, I think what also gives me joy is 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 reconnecting with friends that I hadn't seen or talked to in a long time. I think it's important to to know who your tribe is and who your chosen family is, and and just being as connected and uni and unified as possible. Um, because it, it's it's not it's not easy being alone, but we're never alone. You know, it's um, what's make, giving me joy too is spending time with my cousin. She's she's very much Christian, and it's been I don't identify with any religion, but I am very spiritual, and I just love uh, being in communion with 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 um, with her and 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 you know dissecting the Word of God uh, because it's people don't people take it for granted, but that that the Bible or any any form of of scripture. Um, it, it's that we have it for a reason. You know, we, everything, everything happens for a reason. There, there's no coincidences. Everything has a purpose, and we take it for granted. Um, you know, we we take each other for granted. So I think what makes facts, me, yeah, what makes me happy is facts. being able. To I mean, we just saw that in DMX, right? We only connect the dots and uh, uh, appreciate people looking back mm. <laughs> like mm. it's rarely done yeah while they're alive or not to the extent yeah. after they pass away yeah. and so and so collectively we like martyr each other you know and it's 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 really it's really disappointing um because we could celebrate life as much as possible as much as we were as much as we was fighting for life we can celebrate right. it because it's not all gloom and doom you know it's not all fighting it's 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 being able to to enjoy music together as a community to enjoy feeding each other as a community to enjoy to enjoy art because art is very much whatever kind of art you do it's very healing so that's that's what gives me joy is is being able to 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 be alive because for a while like i was I, I didn't want to be alive anymore. And, you know, like, I, yeah, I was like, this is pointless. No one wants to do anything. No one wants to take care of each other. No one wants to save their brother and sister from, from death. And it, it was, it was something that I was um, internalizing a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I think I've, I've been a little more mindful of my mental health because I, I, I can go from zero to a hundred and <laughs> my family knows this. I, I am very extreme sometimes. I'm very mellowed out sometimes. It, I worry my family with my actions, but they come out of love. They're not like... Yeah, it angry. can't come out of any other place but love. Like, yeah. you can't be this passionate without having that deep-rooted love for humanity. Um, what's your definition of a friend? Like, what do you consider a friend? <laughs> or who do you consider a friend? I consider a friend... It, uh, 
anyone who who can hold a conversation and who and who and and it, and it's a it's a type of conversation right it's not a selfless selfish conversation it's it's a conversation about the world if if you can talk about the world then you're my friend <laughs> regardless of what you say if you can talk about the world with passion then you are my friend if if you if you are doing something for the betterment of your life of your family, of your community, then you are my automatically my friend. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, we don't have to know anything about each other personally. But if <laughs> if we meet, if I meet a stranger and we can, if we click, um, I consider them my friend. I don't. I, I use, I say I love you very loosely. I say I use friends very loosely. I use best friend very loosely. Like it's really, these labels really aren't, uh, are very much welcoming uh, uh, terms. Um, but yeah, if a friend is someone who I can, who is, who I can trust, who I know, who I can, who I don't have to uh, doubt their word. Um, someone that makes me laugh, someone that's not afraid to be vulnerable. Um, that's a friend. I, I think we go, I think a lot of us are, are scared to be vulnerable with each other. And, and, and that's, and that's okay. But also in, in, there's, there's so much beauty in being vulnerable, so much growth that can happen with when being vulnerable with someone that cares about you. Facts. I relate. I'm a guy. I'm a black guy. And we're not supposed to be vulnerable at all. <laughs> I mean, that's a good definition. We've been talking for like an hour. So am I your yes, friend? No, yes, you are my friend. <laughs> the moment we met. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if that's going to get me in trouble, but I don't even care <laughs> at this point. But man, man, like you're very inspiring. Like I look at you and... If I could do half the things, if I had the courage to do half the things you can do. And this is something I learned from Daryl Davis, right? Daryl Davis uh, is this guy I interviewed on episode 77. And he's this black guy who befriended members of the KKK. So he's black, but he oh, befriended members oh, of the KKK. Oh, my God. Yeah, he lives in D.C. actually. Can so um, one of, when I went to D.C. actually, uh, I did the whole Nigerian yeah. embassy thing and I went to see him as well. Um, I but would yeah, love to connect yeah. with him. I'm going back to D.C. I want yeah, I can I can I can introduce you guys. Yeah, He came to speak at my university oh. and, you know, we connected years later and he was on the podcast. But oh. what I learned from him was everyone has a role. And LeBron even said this. LeBron was like, if you don't want to play your position, you know, play golf or play tennis. Those are individual sports. But once you come in a team or a collective or you're part of this thing called humanity, everyone has a role. So, you know, obviously, Daryl Davis, you know, how he be a black guy befriending members of the KKK? He's received a lot of flack, as you can imagine, over the years. But what I took away from that interview is that, look, some people are funders. You never see them on the street. They provide resources. Some people are on the street trying to make things happen. Some people are reaching out to the other side, trying to convert as many people as they can convert. Some people are documenting the process for future generations to learn from. Some people are, you know, yeah. different people are doing yeah. different things. So the fact that you're doing this thing doesn't make you superior or inferior to the next person. So far, you're doing something and you recognize the problem. So like I said, I really appreciate you. I don't even know if I have the courage to do half the things you do, um, but thank you for coming on the podcast. I just have two more questions. One that's a tad bit controversial. Um, you were talking about, you know, 
having the ambition and we can edit this yeah. out if you don't if you don't want this no, to be there funny. we're talking about your your plans to be radicalized in mexico what does that even mean <laughs> oh, i mean you're, you're talking about them treating you like a terrorist organization like if you say that like what <laughs> like like what she's going down to mexico to get radicalized like yeah. please explain it's a double what meaning means. for me for sure but what it means in spanish we say radicalizar uh, so it, it just means to to convert yourself um, to 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 the culture, to the to 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 the the place, the space. I uh, to become basically. I want to become um, a dual citizen, um, and that's a privilege too. You know, like a lot of my friends don't have that privilege to to be able to move move through the world with such um, so called liberty, right? Um, but but I'm using my privilege for good. I'm using my privilege for. Uh, to change the world. And I think everyone should use their privileges to, to change the world even just a little bit, I mean, just a little tiny bit. So when I say radicalize in Mexico, that's what I mean. It's, it's just immerse myself in the culture and getting to know my roots, getting to know my, my Otomi indigenous background, getting to know my ancestors, uh, getting to know what it is to organize in Mexico City, Mexico at large. There's a project that I'm really passionate about that is happening in Mexico. They're trying to deforest uh, about 300,000 acres. Uh, I think I, I, did I mention this I, earlier? <laughs> but um, so I'm, I really want to, to be a part of the movement that saves that forest because they're, um, yeah, without that, it's just like the pollution is just going to get worse. You know, like people, you know, the, we won't have access to water. Water is already a scarcity. You know, it's um, putting prof putting uh, profits over people. It's it has to end. It, so I I really there's also a lot of missing women and children. Um, there's a there's a lot of feminist femicidios femicides. Um, there's just so many things, so many atrocities that are happening and that um, people are, are really militant um, in Mexico right now. Um, and historically, like, I want to visit uh, Los Zapatistas and Chiapas. Like, I, I want to learn from them. Um, I want to I want to be humble to to this new experience of, of being an outsider, trying to, you know, integrate myself in Mexican uh, ways and culture. And I tell my mom and she's, she just kind of like, she just, she's just listening. She nods her head and she's like, how? She knows her daughter. Yeah, she's obviously. like, I can't, I can't help her. Like, <laughs> I can't do anything. Like, I love you. Yeah, you know, you're not going to listen to me. Whatever you're going to do what you yeah. can. Well, you got you guys heard what she said. If you guys are listening to this, that's practically spring break. Like she just described spring break. Like go down to Mexico City, organize on the beach with some margaritas, you know, some coronas, you know, just immerse yourself. That's what she's saying. Ra radicalize. That's like the spring break 2021. Radicalize 21. That's it. So um if you could, I mean, your son is what, six five. now? He's five, gonna be six? five June twenty-eighth. He's a little cancer five it's been a yeah. year already wow yeah, he's growing cool. like if you could put out like a message to your son 40 years from now like when he's going to be 45 i'm probably listening to this what would you want to tell him what kind of world would you want him to be what kind of viewpoint would you want him to have off the world if you could put some permanent message out there for him Ajico, te quiero muchísimo. i've always loved you so much god i'm gonna cry okay <laughs> um i want you to be as free as possible my love i want you to be your own person but at the same time i want you to be humble i want you to be able to 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 talk to anybody and inspire people with your work with your art with your voice i couldn't be there for you 
um, during these tough times for me, but I do this for you. Um, I do this for, for everybody, but it, I'm hoping that one day we can w listen to this together and, um, and you'd know wh why I do the things that I do and why I'm so confusing sometimes and why I can't be with your dad because we're, we're just two different people. We're two strong human beings that, that we, that we're better apart than together because we can change the world apart. But together, we, we forget about the world. <laughs> we forget about the, 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 our purpose in, in relation to the world. So, but apart, it's just my son. It's just, it, it's, it's been a blessing. So I love you. I want you to listen to this when you're 20, <laughs> not when you're 45. <laughs> what, what would you rather him do? Would you rather him date first or listen to this? I first? was, he could do whatever he wants, but I, I'm definitely. <laughs> There we go. We need more moms <laughs> like you, man. <laughs> be whoever he wants, whenever, wherever. Like, just give me a call every day if you. <laughs> um, that's that's what I want. That's the message I want to give my son. Is is be be free, be loving, be inspiring, um, and keep making. Uh, he's a he's a paleo artist, and he's a little muralist. Yeah, he's already he he's <laughs> the how the house that he was born in is already like his gallery space like he, <laughs> uh, the, the apple doesn't, doesn't fall too far yeah. away from the tree yeah, I see. He's, he definitely inspires me whenever i don't want to make create anything he i think of my son and i and i'm instantly like inspired because if he could do it so aimlessly and so beautifully like i can do it um i can keep doing i can keep um creating um, whatever it is that I do. He's definitely an inspiration. Um, I'd like to show you some of my work next time. Uh, me, Most definitely. Yeah. Heck, I might even swing by to yes, California and see what's up. I'll be here until <laughs> October. And then it's six okay. months to a okay. year in Mexico or more. We'll see. We'll see you in life. Okay, I'll see you before the spring break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Man, you know, like I said, um, definitely thank you um, for, for coming on. Uh, thank you for inspiring us. Um, thank you for, you know, doing the things you do. Um, you know, what you do, like anyone can say, talk about what it is you do, but but they can't fathom what it is you do and live with half the consequences that you live with. I mean, you're so young and just what you what you're burdened with like i i can't even start to imagine so I, I empathize with you on that way um i understand uh you know kind of like the reasons why you do what it is you do and like i said everyone kind of like has a role to play like if it's to make the world a better place to make you know to increase uh tolerance in the world to reduce uh prejudice discrimination things like that yeah. um any process. Nelson Mandela said he doesn't care if the cat is white or black so far he catches mice. <laughs> you know? Um, so thanks again for coming on. Do you, do you have any last I, I, thoughts or words before we close out the episode? I'd love to thank you for your work and your inspiration and I firmly believe that we we meet the people we're meant to meet and um, collectively we, we start we we start realizing why it is that we we even met in the first place, and so this is this is one of many reasons why we met Mosa. So there's definitely more to come, and I, I applaud you for all your hard work and and to all the people who who feel aimless right now. It's just pick up a paintbrush, <laughs> pick up a paintbrush, and, and just let your mind go free, and then everything else will follow. Um, intuition is so powerful, and it and um, and when we feel lost, 
just it just look within you know it's not it's not too it's not too bad <laughs> it's not it's not too lonely um and yeah i want to make myself available to anyone who wants to talk about mental health um their mental health journey artistic journey um political are you going to drop your yeah, contact details like social media <laughs> let's do that this time <laughs> it's not going to be um yeah it's um alu clover a l double o c l o v e r um and my my account is public so if you don't want to follow me but you just want to spy on me go ahead <laughs> It's right there. <laughs> I don't think the CIA cares if your account is private. That's right. No, I'm public. talking about people. I'm trying to talk about people. Yeah. Oh, just people in general. Got curious, it, got it, got it, got it. People, we're, we're naturally nomads and we're naturally curious. So that's why I, I um, left my account public because it's very much a, a journal to me. I don't I don't use it as any other thing but a, but a visual journal. Right, I welcome everyone right. to, to be a little bit inside my brain. Um, yeah see if they can yeah, handle it see. <laughs> it's a lot uh, thanks thanks again for coming on the podcast on culture class podcast you know we try to interact with you know a variety of different people no matter your belief we we believe um there's something that can be learned from each conversation we try to interact with people who are who are not necessarily like me and that might not necessarily have my background but you know just my you can learn something from anybody and that's just what we're trying to do on the podcast so on that note again i say thank you for coming out ora and uh, follow Culture Class Podcast so well on all social media. Uh, send us an email, cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about the episode and try to do something to change the world around you. It can be something as little as your community, your apartment building, your sports team, your class, whatever it is. Don't just overlook some kind of injustice. And I know this is easier said. Not everyone is born to have that courage, but you know, in your own little way, it can be a soft as possible as subtle as possible uh, uh, it doesn't have to be uh, you know that confronting or whatever but hey till next time be well guys